This is a Soul Fire production. Welcome to Mother. No, it's Mother. Welcome to Mother, the show where we can explore our inner mothers to actualize our greatest selves through interviews with incredible guests, live coaching sessions, and my own experiences. We're going to dive deep into embracing feminine values and reparenting ourselves. So be prepared to show up, hold space, and be mothered in a way you never have before, but have always needed. It's time we rewrite the Mother Code. Well, I am super excited for today's show, and particularly because I have an awesome guest. Not that nothing against all my other guests, but um, I'm always excited. And I'm even more and more excited to have Dr. Jessica Higgins on the show today. And so welcome, Jessica. Thank you, Dr. Gertrude. It's so nice to be here. Well, we're going to have, I already know there's, we're going to not have enough time to talk about all the things we could and would want to talk about, but we'll still have a great conversation. So I'm excited about that, but let me, I'll share with the audience, some of your formal, Mm -hmm. formal things, you know, and attributes, well-earned things um, about you that are beautiful and impressive. So I'll say a little bit about that. We'll then hear from you and your journey and your story, Mm because I think that's such a key piece of, you know, inspiration for all of us on our journey. And it's one of my favorite parts, but then we'll dig into more of the specific work that you do and how you work in relationships and work with people. All right. So By way of introduction, Dr. Jessica Higgins is a relationship and transformation coach. She is well-schooled in this. She has two graduate degrees in psychology and two coaching certificates, along with over 20 years of experience helping clients achieve successful results. She offers an integrative approach, of which I'm a huge fan, um, and we'll talk about that, and comprehensive, a blend of psychology and coaching all in one. Ultimately, her goal is to help people acquire the insight, learning, and practice to navigate the terrain of intimacy more effectively. So with her assistance, couples and individuals transform pain and struggle into deep love, connection, and vitality. I love that. So Mm -hmm. uh, Dr. Jessica is also the founder and creator of Connected Couple, a comprehensive research-based transformational relationship program. This program helps couples at any stage of their relationship or marriage. Jessica also has a podcast, yay, which is amazing. I've listened to it and you must Which you've also also been on. (laughs) Well, you know, um, that was an honor, of course. Um, The Empowered Relationship Podcast, right? So helping people turn relationship challenges into opportunities, setting them up for relationship success, satisfaction, and intimacy. Um, covering all, you know, it's a, it's a podcast that covers such a beautiful range and you just like your approach is integrative and seeing lots of lenses and ways for people to find strategies for themselves and what works for them to really meet and have that to experience, you know, what real intimacy and real love is. So there's even more, but at least that's a good start to, to hear from you. And we we already did. she is Dr. Higgins, but I'll be calling her Jessica. Yeah. So yes. w- welcome again. And so, you know, I know this is the this I don't know the structure of who you are, but can you fill in a little mm-hmm. bit with you and 
how you got to be doing all these amazing things and supporting so many couples. Yeah. Thanks for asking. Mm -hmm. I probably could talk and talk. I'll try to be brief. I will say specifically, I mean, I've loved people from very early age. I think my mother was telling me when I was like a toddler, believe it or not, when I was like just understanding people, I had a keen sense of like why people were feeling the way they were feeling. So probably a degree of empathy there. And I've always just had an inclination towards connecting with others, really being interested and curious. And so that has always been my love. And I think in middle school, I wanted to be a psychologist. It was a very early. Wow. Yeah. Well, I, you know, people say, oh, wow, that must've been nice for you to have such clarity. And I'm like, well, part of it is psychology is an incredibly big field, right? You could meander in all these different populations or specific approaches. And I worked with teens and adolescents. So really what sparked more of the couple's work is my own breakup of a significant relationship that took me, Gertrude, Mm. to a very deep place. And my contact with my own healing, I had done so much growth and so much you know, understanding and personal growth work, but this took me to a real deep place in myself, which was really profound. And it also set me on course to really look at what conscious intimate relationship really is, because Mm -hmm. I think by and large, unless people are self-studying, I think that's changing with all the new science and all the, you know, information out there, like podcasts like this and other books. And I think people are much more open to getting input. I think at that point it felt as though people aren't really modeling it, talking about it, family environments. I just didn't see a lot of examples. And so I felt even growing up in a really progressive family, had a master's in psychology, had an undergrad in psychology, I still felt really ill-equipped. And so I really prompted my dissertation and study around what conscious intimate relationship is. What are those principles? Who's doing it? Who's practicing it? And like, what are they, what is their experience? And so that was really informative. And you know, with my deep dive really also set me on course to be practicing the principles that set me up for starting a relationship with my now husband, but was dating at the time. And, you know, it's easy to say, oh, like that was the light switch that then created this, you know, profound relationship that I have. No, it was the starting place. It was like the trailhead, Mm -hmm, (laughs) if you will. mm -hmm. So I really much, very much practice all the principles that I talk about and continue to just find that it is such a beautiful teacher relationship and can be a mirror for our growth and also just a showing us our curriculum for our development, not only individually, but also in our relationship. Oh, I'm so glad you you said that because I heard you say that in a pod, one of the podcasts I listened to the curriculum for our development. So I don't want to, you know, give it away, but say more about that. Like, cause I think yeah. people think curriculum, but not in the way you're talking about it. There's a way you're framing our curriculum that I think is just, yeah. I, I love using that word for what you're talking about, but why don't you explain it? Well, I came across that, that terminology from Mary Morrissey and she's a transformational life coach and has done so, so much. And it, she doesn't apply it to relationship, but in my, that was one of the themes that came out of my dissertation was relationship as a teacher. 
and that the challenges that get activated or what one might experience, I'll use myself if I feel threatened or if I feel insecure or if I feel reactive, that that can be really revealing and can be so informative around what's there for me to look at perhaps that I haven't been paying attention to or haven't been conscious to that can give me access to learnings, growth opportunities. And hence, if I'm willing to heed that call for the opportunity, it allows for me and my developing and my growth. So that those upsets or those downturns that feel like the things that we don't want to experience can mm-hmm. really be teachers and opportunities for growth and hence curriculum, right? What might look like an upset can be so, so fertile, so much fertile ground, not to say the expansive, really passionate. Like, I think that also stretches us, but most of us are, I think are much more welcoming of that. (laughs) It's harder to turn towards the pain and that's just how we're wired. Right. So no judgment. Well, that's another way you uh, Mm -hmm. beautiful because that's, I think that's directly connected, but I just want to say it out loud because when you say you help people transform their pain and struggle to deep love and connection, that is what we're talking about here, right? Mm -hmm. That, that, uh, pain and struggle, the, what comes up for me, what gets stirred up for me in relationship with another reveals the curriculum. I experience it as pain and struggle, but it's the curriculum that leads to deep love and connection. So I know you've been saying it, but can you say more like, how does, how does that work? What is, how can that, yeah. how can that be possible? Because I just, I thought relationships were about getting rid of pain and struggle. Many, you know, I know you've heard that I'm sure a million times. And so have I, that, that the goal is to not have pain or conflict or upset. And that is absolutely not what you're saying. So no, and it is, you know, my hope is that it's an added rather than a total contrary to mainstream, maybe notions of love, right? I think mm-hmm. largely historically, at least in the last 20, 30, 40 years, it's easy for us to romanticize that first stage of rela- relationship, which is the honeymoon stage, the romance stage, and that that is the ideal And really that is a projected notion, right? We don't really know them usually in all seasons. How do you deal with grief? How do you deal with loss? These type of things. So yeah, external circumstances and hardships. I'm not saying everything can be a teacher, but I think if in a lot of respects, it could be right, but I'll turn towards more relationship. So it could be anything. If I feel so recently I'm just trying to give an example that's current and fresh. And for me, so if my husband is in a mood and he might be stressed or even grumpy about something that's happening in his business life, and I'm experiencing his facial expressions, his nonverbals and his mood in our relationship dynamic, And let's say it's over a period of time, I might feel difficulty in that. And I might feel even, it might be easy to kind of point the finger, right? I want to feel fun and joy and heartfelt bonding with you. And you're bringing all this kind of cloudy stinkiness 
just, I mean, I don't really label it as that, but in the moment where I'm feeling maybe frustrated and wanting that I could, I could look at it and point to it and criticize it. And if I really access deeper layers in me and understanding around that, and I do my own therapy. So I also, there's just been a depth of my understanding of perhaps when I was growing up, right. I had a family member that had a lot of emotionality and in a lot of ways I was very attuned to that. And I think so much so that I, I didn't always feel like I had as much space for my experience. And so what happens for me when I feel something from someone I love, it could even be my best friend who I feel her distress about something and my immediate like awareness to that and almost like hypervigilance to that is such a teacher for me around, oh, and this is pretty deep. I'm, I'm like jumping in the deep water oh, here because I get thank it. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, I could I could give a very easy example, and I will to also contrast this. Mm-hmm. But jumping in the deep water here, it's the, oh a recognition that like when it looked like a loved one in my life growing up was not okay. How I managed that and my coping strategies are very alive in me currently, mm-hmm. and that is so revealing for my healing and my growth. And I could say more about that, but I think you get the picture. Yeah, no, it's exactly what, yeah. Were you going to keep going? Well, I'll give another kind of lighter example. So my husband and I play a lot of beach volleyball. We usually, and it's more advanced stages, you play on different nets and it's gender divided, meaning a women's net, women's, they play two on two on beach volleyball and the women's net is lower than the men's net. Mm. Um, When people play co-ed, they play on a men's net. So when we used to play co-ed, my husband would get, he played football growing up and, you know, has this intensity and there's like a level of competition, competition and I don't win, win, win. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't disregard that. And no. what happens for me, if I see his intensity or it looks like he's upset with me, I can feel myself kind of collapse or feel like, Ooh, and it's just hard to play your best game when you're feeling hesitant. And so it would be easy again for me to criticize, like, why are you being so like uptight or why are you talking or why are you so hard on me or whatever? And that's the complaint, or that might be the criticism and the point to you. We typically want to point to the thing that hurts Mm -hmm. and get attention around that. But the deeper layer, when I kind of, you know, perhaps in this example, I might turn to a journal and like, I might all first layer Gertrude be all like, blah, blah, blah. Like what about for him? And then I get in touch with like, Ooh, I get uncomfortable or, Oh, I get scared. He's upset with me or, Oh, I'm embarrassed how other people might see me. So then when I have greater contact to what's going on for me, then I have more information around how to navigate this dynamic. Maybe I don't play with him with co-head co-ed, or I play with him after he's played men's. (laughs) So he's kind of gotten it out of his system. We only play a couple of games or, you know, I learned how to take, um, heed to the things that I need, set some limits and boundaries without making him bad or wrong. Yes. I love that because that's exactly the kind of interaction, you know, thing that will come up and a couple can just stay in an infinite pattern and wonder, why can't we get anywhere with this? Why won't you understand me? Why won't you see me? But the, what you're underlining is, oh, I looked at it I took responsibility for myself and as I I saw that I was charged, I'm having feelings about this, I'm naming those. And then I journaled or expressed, you know, some framework to get to the deeper layers. And what I love what you said, you know, I'm doing my own therapy. I mean, I think that is so critical, both 
to have a satisfying couple, you know, you have to be working on yourself, but then, you know, it's so high integrity for you as a coach to be doing that and constantly working on it for yourself. But that personal responsibility piece is so key because until I unlock some of that and see, oh, this is, you know, stirring up that wanting to please, or I'm not good enough. And, you know, that's not exactly what you said. People in my past, Mm -hmm. I'll not, you know, yeah. So that gets triggered in, in so many ways, um, that gets triggered and then I'm off to the races, you know? Uh, so when you can identify that, then one, you can work on healing that doing the expression you need, you know, all the, the stuff with that, and then come to the table with, you know, whether it's just sharing that, whether it's like, look what I got to in this, you know, let's, and, and now you're not just trying to come up with a solution. Well, I just won't play those games with him anymore. Or, you know, we'll do it like this to avoid it um, and to avoid that discomfort. It's like, no, I'll go, I'll go full on into the discomfort and work it for myself. And then there's an infinite amount of solutions I usually find, right? Like so many mm-hmm. ways that we can still play together and get what's great out of playing beach volleyball together in a way that works for us. Yeah. Right? And it's such well, a beautiful example. Yes. Thank you. And I just love that you're able to take this one step further because for me, I'm so glad you pointed out, it does change the moves that I make and that is transformational. Mm-hmm. And it's not so much that, Oh, I love myself and I learn how to take care of myself and I stay in my lane. And then that changes the relationship. I agree. It does change the dynamics. And when we look at what we're co-creating a relationship, my moves will be entirely different if I'm awake to what's getting activated in me versus just reacting. It's a hundred percent. Yeah. And, and to be clear, there might be some things that take years of process, right? So (laughs) even with beach volleyball, we haven't quite dialed that in and it's not as high priority. So we do have some limits around how we're currently negotiating that. I will say other things that are much more emotional or relational. We do invest the time and we do get support when we need it. And we have evolved those and it does deepen our understanding and our intimacy. He has his stuff. I have my stuff. And like you said, that when we can reveal that sometimes we don't even have it all figured out. It just softens the dynamic. Cause if we come at it with a pointing the finger that just sets us on the track of defensiveness, criticism, and that's vicious loop, which you were kind of yes. alluding to and just right. describing. It's all about our, you know, whatever percent, but a much more significant percent uh, is about our history and, and, you know, how that's touches and touching us in a way that really has little to do with him in that moment, you mm-hmm. know, once, once that's activated. So yes. I know ultimately the goal is to get, you know, it's just a ginormous victory if you can catch that in the moment mm-hmm. and, you know, and work it right then. But that's the ultimate goal is that we get there sometime, you know, and like yes. unpack it in lots of ways and, oh, okay. And, you know, maybe I won't go through the roof at quite the same level next time, or that'll be shorter, you know, narrowing gaps in, mm-hmm. in where we can get, get to those sweeter spaces. And I, I, I think um, we haven't used this word, but it, it was coming through in what you were sharing in, I think both of the examples, the beach volleyball one is just more present for me, but mm-hmm. when criticism is at play, right? So that mm-hmm. was an explicit criticism 
he had of you not playing as well in the men's net. For me, of right? him being kind of like a jerk. <laughs> and him then, of course, because you were victimized by if he had the first criticism, right? Sure, like, yeah. And then, he, and then we feel totally drama triangle justified totally. to, you know, persecute him back. And then, right. Yes. Um, but that criticism piece, can you say that? Because you, you you use that word a lot in your framework specifically. Yeah. And it's something that I really, I wrote an article years and years ago, probably in like, I don't know, 10 years ago or something, maybe less. I don't remember. And it, it just, a lot of people were interested and kept commenting. And I noticed that this was something that hit a struck a, struck a nerve with people. And so the dynamics underneath it are principles that I work with heavily in my couples work. And on the outside, when I, when I say outside is what's visible, right? So if I'm doing the pointing the finger, I'm doing the critical thing, that's what's visible. Like my husband will see me and my language talking about him. And I might even be a little bit elevated in my tone of voice, or it might be a little harsher in my tone. And I'm calling out the thing that I struggle with. So on the outside, that's what that's what's visible. Mm-hmm. What's invisible and on the inside is, oh, I'm feeling scared that you're upset mm-hmm. with me, or that I just I with your intensity, I just don't feel like it. I don't feel totally safe. Like whatever that is, and that inside part is what really matters. My husband's so much more interested in the soft parts of me and the vulnerable parts of me and my experience is not as interested in what I think of him and my critique or evaluation <laughs> of him about him being a jerk or not. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or he's yeah. going to defend that because he's got his own opinions about what's happening for him. Yeah. And conversely, I don't always see what's on the inside for him. I could see his outside intensity, but I don't actually know what's going on on the inside. So when we're relating to the outside parts, that's usually what's creating disconnect. Yeah. Good. I love that distinction. That makes so much sense. And I want to acknowledge, you know, the, the risk that is the vulnerability, Mm -hmm. the courage it takes to be the one to step forward and, you know, share the feeling, share what this, you reveal myself in that way, because, you know, in our old mind, it's like, that's just setting myself up for more criticism. Or what if I like share this underbelly tender part of myself and I'm rejected. So it's, I think one of the most courageous things we can do is to take that level of person of personal responsibility in a relationship, but it's the most rewarding as you're saying, right. That's if we don't, we won't have that like super rich, deep. Oh my gosh. I, I know you, you know, me, this I'm thinking of um, Schnarch and Passionate Marriage, yes. the feeling felt. Is he the one that said that? But I know he brings it in. He might be mm-hmm. referring to somebody else, but you know, the, the feeling felt by someone else. And, mm-hmm. and uh, but you, you can only do that when you're just there present for yourself. And that's what you're talking about. It's not, you know, to get a specific response. Ultimately, we might start there. That's fine. But this, I think you're, you know, you're referring to something that I, I think it's a vision for all of us in relationship is that, that sense of 
intimate, self-validated intimacy. That's what he calls it. Um, uh-huh, yes. Self-validated intimacy that I'm, I'm not going to reveal myself so that you reveal yourself back to me. You know, right. it isn't a, a tit for tat and I'm only going to do it if you give back. It's no, I'm doing it because it's my truth and I'm yeah. going to stand in it and I'm going to share it and I'm going to expose myself and I'm going to be with myself with whatever comes, comes my way. And it's super scary. Um, terrifying. As you're sharing, yes, you've experienced it. I've experienced it. And it's what we want our coachees or, you know, the people we coach to experience. And it's a journey to get there. But is that reflecting what you're? Well, it's terrible. Yes. I just want to echo just that it's, this is where the rubber meets the road, right? It's a Mm -hmm. sweaty Mm -hmm. 10 minute conversation. It's the everything in our nervous system, excuse me, in our nervous system is telling us don't go there. A real key example that I can point to very, very early on in our dating history, I want to say this was probably like 2006, we were exploring connection together. We were dating my husband and I, my now husband, Mm -hmm. and I could tell that there was some, I I mean, he initiated with me and anyway, the start of it was really cute, but I, as we deepened in our kind of getting to know each other, I could feel myself getting really open to him and really interested in him and developing feelings for him. Mm -hmm. And I could feel a little bit of that anxiety and part of my deeper work, which I had alluded to before grieving a breakup was recognizing, oh, I have had loss and my, my biological father died when I was like three months old. And I've had some significant losses of particularly father figures. So that fear of abandonment that I don't think I was even conscious to, I had really been choosing guys that weren't either all that available, or I wasn't all that available. Like I was dancing around relationship, Mm -hmm. but not really being all in. And so being all in was shaking me. And so for me to do the thing that you're describing and acknowledge that anxiety, acknowledge that fear and be with it. The irony is I felt like I had my own back. Yes. Irrespective of what he might do or say, regardless of what might happen, Mm -hmm. that I was able to stand on my own two feet and really self-validate that like, this is scary. I'm into you and this is like <laughs> shaking me and I don't know what's happening. I don't know where, you know, I don't know if you're going to yeah. love me back. And, and for me to show him that underbelly, as you're describing mm-hmm. is a game changer versus me getting anxious, asking him a ton of questions. He's feeling like pinned in a corner me trying to get some sense of security and trying to understand this or this or that. And not that it's that aggressive, but even the energy of me seeking reassurance in an indirect way from an anxious style. Yeah. He can feel it and the importance of it, but he has no idea on the outside. It just looks like anxious questions. He can feel the energy of it, but he doesn't know why. And then his stuff gets kicked up. Am I doing it wrong? Is it not good enough? Like he's all then in his stuff because he feels the intensity of it, but we're lost. Yeah. We're lost because I haven't revealed what the juice is about. He has no access to it. It's invisible. And when he can feel that, it's not about him doing something wrong. It's not about him not being good enough. It's like, oh, this is scary territory for you. And it makes sense. And let's let's forge forward with that in mind and the tenderness around that. 
Hi, I'm so excited to share with you my 2024 Spring Equinox Self-Mothering Retreat that's happening this March, 2024. And I would love for you not only to consider it, but to attend. But in considering it, hey, just knowing that you would be leaving cold weather if that's the space that you're in and coming down to just magnificently beautiful, warm, nourishing place of Zihuatanejo, Mexico. Zihuatanejo meaning land of the goddess women. And coming to really take time for yourself. Okay, and that I am learning more and more isn't just a nice thing to do or something extravagant or something selfish. It's essential. And I really want you to take it seriously to consider, you know, just think about what would it take for me to go. It's a five and a half day retreat, getting from where you are, getting there, landing there, and then being in a space that is all about you. It's all about nourishing you. It's all about tuning into you, using everything around us, the nature, the food, the beautiful people, the rituals, ceremonies. I bring it, you know, we really bring it. And we go deeper and deeper as the days go on and we release, we let go, we bring in what is nourishing, what is empowering, what is that space of just really divine feminine energy. And we do it in the community of women. It's not for everyone. I will be honest, you know, if the idea of leaving and not making it work or it's just too hard, not for you. If the idea of, you know, spending that amount of time inwardly focused and going to that level of self-awareness doesn't sound like something you're willing to do or put the time and energy into, then it's not for you. And it's good to know that, right? So this is for people who are serious about what it means to mother themselves, what it means to take time for ourselves and that gift and what that gift can bring to us. It was originally right after my fall retreat, it filled right up, but now some people, it turns out, are not able to come. So I do have a handful of openings. And if you're listening to this and you're willing to take that step, please reach out to me. We can do a discovery call or you can put a deposit down. I would love that. And you can do that by going to my website, www.drgertrudelyons.com. Go to events and there you go. It'll all be there. There's a beautiful page there for you to explore. I look forward to hearing from you and then seeing you on my spring retreat. I love how you're underlining it, underlining it, Jessica, and particularly appreciate you sharing it from your personal experience, right? And mm-hmm. that awareness that it is, it, you know, it's really super scary at first. It feels like standing at the edge of a cliff and jumping over. Like, we don't know if there's a net, we don't know. And, uh, but we do it because either we've, I don't know. The old we way doesn't person, work. I had we gone. know the old way doesn't yeah. work. See, yeah. If I just keep doing the same thing, like I got to try this and yeah. Certainly seems like some people that know what they're talking about are <laughs> have had experience yeah. with it and where there's some piece of trust, you know, that you had or, you know, that we have and we want to impart. Um, but then what's cool is you do it once and, you know, the sky doesn't fall and you don't, yes. you know, die or they don't run out right. of the room. And in right. fact, that you, I, maybe I even got a, a, a more open, warm, positive response. So I can yes. then start breaking those beliefs, like name the beliefs that I just broke. 
because all those fears are based on beliefs from, you know, everything we've been talking about so far, right? Our upbringing and all the things that have come to the table before, like, oh, maybe it doesn't have to be that way. Oh, there's other possibilities. And that's the, the practice over and over. It gets, it never, I don't think it, it hasn't for me ever not had some fear attached to it. Yes. Yes. Agree. <laughs> but it gets less, right? Yes. It gets well, less. and I trust the process more, right? Yes. Like you're saying like over time with that iteration, there's some strengthening and, and being able to lean into it, even though it is terrifying or it's the very, it's like the very thing I don't want to say, or that feels unlovable or shameful or whatever. It's like, that's the thing that actually breathes life into the visibility of this connection that we're talking about. And I also want to just name the thing that is also happening here that I just feel like is really worth validating that when we're in a significant relationship, like a marriage or a loved one that we're partnered with, the stakes are the highest. And this is where it might seem so silly that it's about your partner being late or that they said something in front of the kids or whatever the thing is. And when we really drop into how significant this person is, how much it matters, how much the sense of feeling safe and seen and supported and that secure bond, it's critical. It's in our nervous system. It's not a preference. It's actually a need that our nervous system regards just like we need air to breathe Mm -hmm. to feel that sense of bondedness. And I know we're not, all of us do not have this, haven't had it and the pursuit of it and the importance of it still doesn't go away. We need this sense of connectedness. And it's, it's this thing that we're, we're negotiating sense of self sense of connection, right? It's this constant dynamic. That's not, it's multi-layered. And so I just wanted to acknowledge a lot's happening. Your partner might be triggered and you're feeling your partner's trigger. There's the concept in, um, it's called neuroception that our nervous systems are picking up on the cues and the nervous system of our, of the people who are around. So even we might feel our significant other being triggered and we might feel it in our body and how we respond to that. There's a lot of things happening and it means a whole heck of a lot. It's not like a coworker or an acquaintance and it, yeah, the stakes are higher. Hence we're going to, it's going to mean more and it's going to activate us more. That's so true. I think that's such an important piece of it to underline because people will say that like, well, you know, I don't get as triggered at work or I don't, you know, act this Mm -hmm. way with Mm -hmm. my boss or my employees. Um, Yeah. Well, you're not in a deep, close, intimate, that's not the contract there. And no, it's not, you know, you can still work pieces of the curriculum as you, you know, we're still going to have triggers from those people, but we might be a little more willing to take a risk or, you know, we can leave that job. We can, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, we can leave a relationship, but you know, if we really want to stay in it and work it, um, that, and you know, that, that person we've decided is, is the person where we say we got married, but we we came to work this curriculum together, Mm -hmm. I believe, you know, Mm -hmm. and toward wholeness, you know, Mm -hmm. toward bringing pieces of myself back together. And uh, I always loved my coach and mentor, Dr. Bob Wright used the term, you know, my partner is my highly paid consultant. So it's similar, (laughs) you know, there, yeah. And, yeah. and together, you know, we also get to be in a, in an environment of a womb and a crucible, you know, we're mm-hmm. going to, 
be in there under the fire, burning away, you know, the, the impurities and there for each other. Mm-hmm. We're that much more there for each other, as, mm-hmm. as we mentioned earlier, when mm-hmm. we've, you know, gotten under the heat like that and, sure. and stayed in it with each other and more and more build that trust. And then we can, I know for me, one thing that happened was this relationship is what got us, you know, first doing growth work when we got engaged. You know, I talk about that. What will now be 32 years ago, June 23rd. Um, you know, and I'm aware that like I went really into it, taking risks, blah, blah, blah. and then kids just stirred up a whole nother thing for me where I totally backed off. Suddenly that trust and that security was had a whole different meaning to it mm-hmm. that I can't say I navigated um as courageously as I had before, but you know. Well, we stayed in it enough where now that they're gone, we're kind of digging right back in. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, you know, we'll have seasons, but to be aware that, oh my gosh, cause I know for me, I hit a point where my relationship is just a significantly higher percentage, more satisfying, more real, mm-hmm. more unique than anything I witnessed in my upbringing right. and growing up. So me too. maybe, I'll, you know, you hit that point and you don't want to rock the boat anymore. You know, you're kind of like, well, this is better than I've ever thought I would have. And, you know, you have to keep making that choice. Mm. Is that something that comes up for you? And when you're coaching others or, you know, for yourself that, that sometimes things just get thrown our way, like transitions Mm -hmm. and, you know, age different things, but Mm -hmm. we still have to choose to keep digging in and keep Mm -hmm. moving and growing. So uh, mm-hmm. I wanted to make that comment and see what you think about that. Yes. There's a few things I want to say. One of which is part of my intention, Gertrude, and even before I met Reed, my husband was, I wanted somebody that I could grow with mm-hmm. and it was just so crystal clear. So that has been a constant and has been a guiding light, if you will. And so Yes, it doesn't. It's not to say that we haven't had our hardships and I don't kind of get stymie about things or even have questions about what we're doing or how we're doing it. And, um, and that's just been so, so strong. So I think I had that before meeting him because we met, we were in our, he was, he's three years younger than I am. And I was in my like early, early 30s. I think he was 30 or about to be 30. And so we had lived something right. Where other people sometimes get together pretty early and then they kind of negotiate a lot of this together. Uh, so I think there can be a difference in that, but even still, I, you know, to your point, I have clients that are, you know, in their forties and they're married and they're like, am I being too selfish? Like, am I wanting like everything on paper is amazing or is it too, am I being too self self-centered to want this or to spoiled or, you know, just the question of like wanting more, like, is that okay to want more, especially when there is so much good. So I think that is definitely something that depending on kind of the frame that somebody is coming from and messages that they might've received along the way that that does enter into rocking the boat. Right. That is it. Totally. Is, is this, and then not knowing what the benefits of that are, like you're saying, I'm fully confident of it and I know it's worth it. And right. it's the ripple effect, right? People who benefit from our growth and our um, deepening and the intimacy and the, and what 
how that affects our children and our community and our family, that it's tremendous. Mm-hmm. And you, I, I would never go back personally. Like I would never choose the old way. It didn't ever give me the satisfaction or the fulfillment or the self-integrity or any of the things that I long for. And when everything looks good on paper and we're having this longing and we don't know the benefits that come, it is difficult to feel like, am I going to risk this? Is this, am I rocking the boat for what? Exactly. Well, that I, I want to, and I, I'd love to hear <laughs> when you say that, like for what I think individuals mm-hmm. and then in a couple, like we haven't had much, we haven't really had role models of like what, what is possible and what is to want. And there was a picture I saw in one of your, um, somewhere on, on online with mm-hmm. you, you know, it was a couple sitting on the floor and they had their hands up one hand, each up in the air, like, and then touching each other. It almost made a heart, like, you know, mm-hmm. the outside hand and the yeah. outside hand yeah. and they're sitting there. It reminded me of one of the, uh, again, one of the first sessions I was having with my husband about creating a vision together, mm-hmm. you know, and we use that literal, like hold each other's mm-hmm. hands because when you have a vision to orient to, you can get tossed about, but mm-hmm. you have that connection. And I, I don't, I'm not saying that has to be something you work with, but it is something that comes to mind for me, or is there a way that I, I can, it's another way that I can help jump off the cliff. Cause, Oh, I've said, I really want this, you know, I, and to, to set out with a vision for ourselves and our relationship and then, um, you know, use that at what to orient to versus just my past and my fear, which <laughs> doesn't get me totally it's so important, right? We want something bigger than our fear to motivate us. And when we can have a vision, I mean, there's a lot of research, I think the Gottman Institute, and I think a lot of people reference the importance of having a relationship vision that that can lead us and orient us as a guiding light to be able to tolerate some of the discomfort. I know uh, Schnarch talks a lot about tolerating discomfort and that's something that as we adult, not everybody has done that work of that emotional maturity work of tolerating the discomfort in the interest of the growth and in the interest of the vision. Like that is something that is, I think I'm so glad you brought that up because that can be something to hold on to in these moments of terror of rocking the boat and not knowing what's going to happen. If we're in service of that greater vision, I think that's incredibly inspiring and motivating. Yeah. Thanks. I I love this. Um, All these things are going on in my Mm -hmm. mind around uh, this. And as you know, from us talking about rewriting the mother code and, you know, a lot of what we're talking about, right? Like looking at uh, patterns from our past, looking at what culture says about relationships and what we saw in relationships and how those, till we dig underneath and, and really explore those in a very discerning way, um, emotionally, and just even cognitively about what the, especially myths about relationship and fairy tales and all that stuff. Right. Um, so that we can ultimately, make choices for ourselves, have a vision for ourselves and make, you know, really discern. I ultimately think it's self-mothering, right? Mm, when we're totally. this and, you know, so rewriting, I call it mother code, but what we're talking about rewriting relationship codes, which is 
you know, it all cross paths and, and is similar, you know, in that way. And I know that's something you work on. So I'm wondering out of that framework, like what are some things that, that you could say about how you've leaned into your femininity and mm-hmm. nurtured yourself on the journey on yourself as you support others, you know, individuals and couples, like how do you mother yourself in that arena? Mm, thank you for asking that. Well, it's something I'm continuing to foster. I notice in a lot of my ways of orienting in the world, especially professionally, it tends to be a little bit more masculine in that pursuit or that achievement or creating. And some of the examples that I referenced here today, even with that early experience with my husband around a fear of abandonment and how I was yeah. able to there was a lot of meditation work that I was doing and even seeing the benevolent mother, father holding me and supporting me, like just the sense of like how to offer that safety and that, that holding for that fear, almost of like this child that's like freaked out, right. That has lost someone like a parent, like that's, that's intense. And so to be able to almost emotionally give space and validation for how scary that is and holding that. So I think there was a lot of journaling, meditation, a lot of being present to myself and honoring myself allowed me to have my own back and stand in that solid Mm -hmm. place and then do that work of revealing. I don't know that I would have been able to do it without any of that parenting, self-mothering, self-parenting work. And accessing what I perhaps didn't have or didn't, my circumstances growing up didn't allow for that holding. And even now, currently, as I'm describing when my husband's in a particular mood and my tendency to care give and to not bypass my own need, right. To really give space and acknowledgements for me currently, that looks more like being in nature and hiking Mm -hmm. and yeah, I would say, I don't know if it's 10 years. My sister-in-law recommended a book, the wild feminine by Tammy. I can't remember the last name and I'm listening to it. And I had a client recently mention it. She's a uh, physical therapist who does all about women's health and the pelvic bowl and the quality of just the balance in that pelvic bowl. And that's the sacrum, the Anyway, I won't go into great depth, but just the awareness and being in contact with that part and the energy there and the space for that. And even like, so she talks about the left ovary being very synonymous with the more feminine and the left ovary or the right ovary being more uh, aligned with the masculine. And even in any given day, like what would my, what would the left ovary want? And that's usually more restorative, like getting a massage, going soaking, um, reading a book or just daydreaming. And the right ovary might be like, I'm going to create a party or I'm going to ask a friend out for lunch or something like that. So I I think I'm growing in it, to be honest, about just honoring my feminine and what that looks like in my vocation. And I think it's much more present in my relationships. I nurture my relationships and, um, foster those connections. And I think I'm just learning to turn that inward even deeper. I think, you know, just self-care is huge yoga, breath work, just self-care, sleep, healthy eating. 
thing. Like all of these things are things I think help keep me in balance and allow me to be more available to the work that we're describing both individually and then relationally, but it's, it's a journey. And I feel like, uh, it's something that I benefit greatly from. Wow. Thank you for underlining and particularly, you know, the journey aspect of it. Right? And oh, the more I want to expand or serve, the, the more time I need to give myself for self-care, not mm-hmm. you know, the opposite. And I think you're underlining that. Um, well, I'll say one more, more thing too. Oh, yeah, please. It's okay. We're not like um, I'm not cutting you off, or we're just okay. gonna do a couple well, more I just, things. I, I was I didn't even have it in my mind. And then when you started talking, I think something that's really important for me that I'm learning is not to be so in my head, hmm. to not not pivot so quickly to others. I I talked about that caregiving tendency. I'm not talking about professionally because I feel like I have really clear boundaries around that. I'm talking more in my personal relationships to give more space and more embodiment to feel my heart, to feel my gut, to feel my body and just give more space for that in interactions. Sometimes I can be quicker in my pace, quicker in my speech, quicker in my thinking. And I'm just so quick to move forward and pivot and be responsive that perhaps I haven't even taken that temperature read on myself. Yes. So that's something that I'm really, particularly when things get tense or heated to just stay with myself a little longer, right? It's a process. Like we're talking a little bit longer with myself yeah, Yeah. before I jump. Yeah. And that's a good thing to hang on to. Just uh, hold on to myself a little bit longer before I go, Mm -hmm. you know, do or go into the typical behavior. Mm -hmm. Well, where I I can't imagine that out of this conversation, people aren't going to want to learn more about you. Of course, Mm -hmm. we'll have things in the show notes, but where can my listeners find you and, you know, learn more about and discover and be with you? Yeah. Thanks for asking. The biggest place is the website, which is drjessicahiggins.com. That's doctor with a D-R and it's Higgins, H-I-G-G-I-N-S and Jessica, like it's normally spelled. So Dr. Jessica Higgins. And then also on any podcast player, the Empowered Relationship Podcast that I do my best to interview experts like yourself, Dr. Gertrude Lyons and others, and just really having conversations really specific to relationship and a lot of these principles. So those are the two best ways. And then you can learn more about offerings and those type of things. And if you want to give your listeners the free guide around shifting criticism into connected communication, oh, yeah. it's a yeah. side-by-side comparison that uses real life examples and language around what a critical tendency that pointing the finger might sound or look like and how to reverse engineer, how to really look at, make those insight parts more visible and what that connected communication might look and sound like. Because really there's a lot of research that supports, I think Gottman Institute talks about this, the soft startup, right? That's making those inside parts visible. That's where our partner can see and understand what that need is. And then they can usually more easily turn towards that versus being off track on that criticism and defensiveness. That's not even on the thing that matters. That is why you're bringing it up in the first place. So this guide is a really useful tool to help people unpack that. Good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We'll put a connection to that and and these great ways to get a hold of you. So very last question that we'll end with, and Mm -hmm. we've been talking about it, but what does rewrite the mother code mean to you? 
Hmm. I feel like I want to like, I want to meditate on that, (laughs) but um, (laughs) my first, my first feeling is well, tell me a little bit more about that question because I my mind's going in a different couple of different directions. I want to answer the way well, you're asking. Sometimes I ask it as a two part, but then then this might help. So, what does rewrite the mother code mean to you, and what's one way you're going to mother yourself this mm-hmm. week? Because you mm-hmm. talked about you just talked about some ways that you've been mothering yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if I frame it that way, does that help? Yeah. Well, we have been talking about yes. it, and I think what rewriting the mother code means to me in this current moment is just the recognition of the lineage Mm. of the mothers that came before. And that as I do my healing and my remothering that I'm actually healing and repairing even the past lineage. And so it just feels very, I don't know what the word is, but it, it captures and it expands greater than this moment. So, um, it's both what it allows for the future. And it also has this effect on what has been and just not perpetuating old patterns and really transforming that. So I think that's what occurs to me the most right now. I love it. Yes. I, I, understand it's a little uncomfortable to be on the spot, but it was, I love what you talked about, you know, mm-hmm. the, the shifting ge- generational patterns yeah, right? and, and rewriting that. And what, as I do it, I write with you, I believe that, you know, time is not quite as linear and what we mm-hmm. think of it, you know, that mm-hmm. we are healing for, for sure, like future generations or, or the people mm-hmm. around me, but, and myself, but that there's healing that goes on in past generations. And it's, it's really beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Jessica. It's been just so nourishing. And this is the way I've mothered myself today is to get mm. to be with you. Mm. So thank you. Thank you. It's an honor. Thank you, thank you. I really appreciate having this conversation and your intention and the depth and the holding for this very just important space for remothering it's so important wonderful thank you thank you so much for choosing yourself and taking the time to listen to this podcast as always please rate review and subscribe to mother wait no subscribe to mother her it helps other people who need this message, aka all women, well, actually everybody, men included. I'm honored to have you on this journey in mothering yourself. Remember, change is uncomfortable, but it's beautiful and it starts with us. And if you can't wait until next week's episode, follow me on Instagram and LinkedIn at Dr. Gertrude Lyons or at my website, drgertrudelyons.com. I'll see you next time.